but this is a really, really cool piece that was created by someone in the community. And um, I, 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 I look forward to the day when, when we are creating art together and, and, you know, where a book like this yeah. Yeah. proceeds will go out and benefit every one of these players' families. I that's would love to that's meet, what we want. I would love to meet a lot of the gang in person because um, right. the other thing this thing has done is just create tremendous kinship between us. All right. So one of the coolest things that happened to me this year was getting an email and it said there was a virtual show in benefit of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And it was just inspiring. What was more inspiring was to watch this effort of 100 artists be organized and that be from my perception, a very smooth thing. And one of the forces behind that is Tad Richardson, who's here today. How are you doing, sir? Doing really good, doing really good. It tickles me uh, to hear um, how much this campaign meant to people this year. Um, it, it certainly meant a lot to me. I'm, I, <laughs> you've, you've seen enough uh, of me lately or over the last few months to know that I choke up very easily. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so uh, it's not it's not hard to get tears out of me, but 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 if there's one thing that will really get to me, it's it's hearing how this campaign has touched so many people. Well, get ready. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I'm going to plug the website. It's take it's been a tongue twister for me, but nlbmart.com. So check that out. Right. You can see all of the artists. We are in round two of the the show and fundraiser, it goes till December 31st. So we're at the halfway mark here. We need your help to make it the great effort that it's, that it's been. So, and then check out Tad does his yeah. own thing as well. Curveball. Yeah, I, I do my own thing as well. Yeah. Curveball keepsakes. Um, yeah. And, and frankly, a lot of, of the, the impetus behind this, this campaign was, was really struggling with my own small business, you know, um, and um, I I was just watching um, one of your episodes where you were talking about the you know the parking lot uh, art shows and and all the festivals and those kinds of things and and that's something that I really miss um, over the last few years. I've really come to to enjoy that uh, here in the Seattle area, uh, the whole you know night market scene and weekend market scene. Um, is a big hole for a lot of people, both uh, socially and financially. So, so uh, part of the the impetus behind this campaign was to 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 understand that there's you know a lot of us in the same boat this year um, with struggling um, you know art based businesses, and so I thought, well, let's get a bunch of artists together and do something really good. Uh, with our work and and the the Negro League Baseball Museum was a very accommodating um, uh, host of this campaign. So so I took uh, 
you know, basically uh, during the campaign, my business Curveball Keepsakes kind of took a, a back seat to everyone else um, in the first campaign. And but but running that first campaign has kind of re-inspired me um, with my own little business too. So um, so it's been this really cool uh, dynamic of of like energy exchange where you know I put all my energy into everybody else and then seeing what they did re-inspired me with my little business. Now, well, I was going to say you probably didn't see as much because you were doing all the work for the hundred or so rest of us, <laughs> which we're, we're gracious for because um, I, I said it again and again when this new world started <laughs> with the, the pandemic. I personally didn't know what to do. This is a full-time thing to me. And um, before you reached out to me, I'd done Battle of the Bay. That was a virtual show. Yeah, but just thinking in those terms, your ideas are um, a large thrust on how I went forward. And I'm okay. <laughs> And it's part of that thinking. I do miss in-person shows, but I love that I now have all these friends that I didn't have and they're everywhere. And and how cool is it what we've come together on? <laughs> and um, I'd always loved the history of the Negro Leagues, but I'm getting to enjoy it and discover parts of it I didn't know. Um, just, it's awesome. So thank you, first of all. But oh, yeah, thank you. Had you seen other like virtual shows prior to to attempting these? Okay, no, no, not at all. Um, this this campaign was so my <laughs> I I consider myself to be a little bit of an imposter, I guess, when it comes to the art world. Um, I uh, my background's in marketing and, and advertising, and um, one of the the things that is that one of the realizations that I've come to um, after uh, 20 plus years in in you know corporate advertising and marketing is I, I call advertising the most destructive uh, weapon of mass destruction that there is, um, and uh, you know as an example, you know let's take let's take uh, professional sports. Um, now we're really going sideways. Um, professional sports coming back in the middle of a pandemic was absolutely nothing about, there, there was nothing positive about that. Um, it wasn't about entertaining people. It was about tricking people that everything's okay. And if you just look at the advertising that runs during professional sports, you will walk away not believing that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so advertising is, is really nasty. And what, what I'm really trying to do is to help corporate advertisers understand that there's a better way. And so what we're, we're really trying to do is to create a platform um, that benefits multiple groups of people. In this particular case, it benefits small business owners, artists, and the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And 
it's amazing to see what can, what can happen when a group of 102 artists from around the world, uh, seven, seven countries and th on three continents, it's amazing to see what can, what can happen when, when that kind of, of firepower comes together. And what it, what it, what it uh, netted was uh, a donation to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum of over $25,000. In, in that was raised inside of one week. Um, so to see what we're doing on social media, right? 102 people, and this was the first campaign. There's fewer people participating this go round uh, during the holidays, but, but to see 100 people, 100 artists, makers, small business people, all um, sharing a similar message, that creates, well, it did create, the potential for like over 2 billion impressions. Um, so that means that, you know, something was being said and, and could have reached up to 2 billion people based on how many followers we have collectively and how many times we posted. We could have organically reached 2 billion people if it weren't for social media algorithms. Yeah. So, so what we've built here is something that is extremely powerful and extremely uh, uh, attractive to corporate advertisers. So that's what we're really trying to do is we're trying to, well, we're trying to do a lot of different things with this campaign, frankly, that's just one of them. And that is to direct corporate sponsorship, corporate advertising dollars into areas of need within our communities. We wanna, I want, advertisers to understand that it's not enough to, to just spend, you know, millions of dollars to tell us how great you are. You need to come into our communities and show us. So, so this campaign uh, is actually modeled after one that I built for uh, Meals on Wheels and piloted over in Spokane, Washington, um, where we brought together uh, locally owned restaurants and in support of Meals on Wheels. This was a campaign that I piloted last year and so the model for that campaign, for this campaign, baseball is, is based in waffles. <laughs> we call, we call it, we called it, we called that campaign waffles for wheels. I love that. No, I love, yeah. I love what I'm hearing about the, the intention because just being in it, I feel it, but also just listening and I've been listening a lot, but um, Gary V is a big one I listen to. Yeah. Have you heard those discussions? Yeah, I, and it's that same kind of energy, so I'm glad I'm actually a part of it. <laughs> yeah. Because it's weird for, um, you know, you, just, you know, I'm, when I uh, describe myself, I'm just an artist. <laughs> I make things, and then I have these ideas, and I believe I'm a podcaster, but... Um, <laughs> It's just, that's part of the process, I think. Um, but <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, in that regard, I, I kind of consider myself an artist too. And, and that's the thing, like in my career that I've always loved about advertising is that it's, it's really equal parts art and science, in particularly psychology. <laughs> um, and, and so it's, it's always been fascinating to me. And it's always been fun to, to just, you know, put ideas out into the world and, and, and see if, if they work, you know, this being, this being 
uh, one, <laughs> frankly. Um, I think it's funny, like, I'm going to backtrack to the, you use the word imposter. I feel like an imposter in art. And <laughs> I guess my existence as an artist is to debunk that idea that all it takes is if you want to do this, you do it, you take it. That's art. Right. <laughs> no, I have no... No apologies necessary, especially I remember seeing uh, when we started the last campaign, you put out those candy bars that were right. had the names of like Cool Papa Bell, these Negro League baseball players. Yep. And very artistic. You are an artist. <laughs> uh, I think those were some of my favorites. That came <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like to, um, over the last few years, what I've started... I, you, you cut off a little bit there, but that was fun. Those, those were, that, that was based off of a conversation that my wife and I were having where, where we were, we were just talking about the Negro leaguers and, and their exploits. And she, and she said, where's their candy bar? And, uh, and I said, all right, let's, let's uh, riff off of some old, you know, traditional candy bars and candies and, and uh, put them in the names of Negro leaguers. That was fun. Um, over the last Oh, five years or so, uh, really five to six years, my, um, I've been reintroduced to art. Um, it's been something that was part of my life early on as a kid. I loved art. In fact, I'll show you this. I went and pulled this off the wall. This is, this is a picture I drew of Joe DiMaggio. Nice. Black and white pencil. When, yeah, just pencil. When I was probably, I was a teenager, and I've never attempted another pencil drawing since. And the reason why <laughs> is because I was terrified. I was terrified when I got to his face that I wasn't, there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to make this look like Joe DiMaggio. And I distinctly remember just moving my pencil across the paper and then pulling it back and seeing Joe DiMaggio's face and having no idea how it got there. <laughs> I, so, yeah. so, so that, it was such a terrifying thing for me to get to his face and then to scribble it out and have it work. I thought, okay, I'm going to drop the mic. I'm done. <laughs> no more of that. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I've been That's retired funny. as a pencil artist since probably 1986. <laughs> well, you know, it's your career. But, <laughs> it, well, that, what you're describing, I feel that every time I go to paint, and I'm still kind of dumbstruck that that came out of me, and I don't, I don't know if that's like lack of self-esteem or what. <laughs> But I think more so it's just, it's magic because it's, it, there's nothing there. And then there is, and right. that's what, that's why this is so addicting. And um, I have all these pieces and I've been an artist this long. It's because I never got sick of that high and this is my drug. <laughs> yeah. It's it, you, you are truly inspiring. Like seeing your work, um, I heard again. I was watching one of the other podcasts and or webcasts, and and I and uh, the guy called your work primitive. 
<laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, I love that. I love that. And like this, this one here, like this is Dwayne Corey. Um, yeah. I, when I saw actually there was that, that one and that one, your, your cool Papa Bell. Oh, these there you the go. Two, <laughs> these were the two pieces that I, that I saw. In fact, that's cool Papa Bell too. Um, He's a cool dude. <laughs> yeah right but but i saw those two pieces and they just absolutely spoke to me i remember i reached out and asked you i'm like hey is that cool yeah. pop ball still there yeah and the, I'm like i didn't want to wait on it too long and i bought it and somebody actually said i was about ready to buy that so that primitive thing i i started i used to draw I, i've always drawn and i've always fooled around with visual media that way but then when I was 18 I picked up a camera and that became my mode of expression now when it went digital and we became desk guys um, I lost interest really quickly had a artist career crisis I was very I didn't know what to do because I wasn't happy and the more I thought about it this was the reason why because I was behind a desk and that runs contrary to everything I grew up with. <laughs> yeah. I, do, I, I don't want to do that. And so then I, you know, I've always drawn and everything, but paints, I always saw it as uh, these people at the art store drawing these serene lambs in the field. And I was like, man, that looks like sitting at a desk. And it wasn't until um, I collaborated with a friend of mine and she just put materials in my hands and I, and I looked at the way she worked and it was very primitive. And then that made me think of the artwork that I like the most. And it is like Basquiat, uh, even Picasso. Though they're, there's something primitive about it. That's, that's caveman stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's caveman stuff to make you know funny shapes and then call that a portrait that's uh and yeah so that's that's what fuels it for me thank you for the compliment I, yeah no i i absolutely i actually my the harold reynolds that i got from you is right up here too nice <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm honored <laughs> no i i uh i i love what i love about about art like yours and and what i what i really got into was uh uh sketching um and so i've, I've got a, a sketchbook and watercolors and so i'll just use a black um liner pen and and do my my sketch and then i go back in with watercolor and uh fill it out and the thing i love about sketching is that it's so unforgiving right it's a, it's a sketch i'm not trying to to create fine art here um so so it's like it gives you permission to be imperfect. And, and that's what I really love about it. Um, because I am a bit of a perfectionist, you know, when I think about art, it's like, I think about like what James Fiorentino does, you know, which is, you know, create what looks to be a photograph out of watercolor, you know, and what, yeah. what, uh, you know, I just, I don't have that. I don't have that in me at least, uh, you know, without, you know, investing a lot of time and practice into it. Um, it's certainly not natural to me, but art is natural. 
to me. And, and so to be able to have outlets for it that allow for imperfection to a perfectionist uh, is just what I need. So that's, uh, that's part of what I, what I love about, about your stuff and about Dwayne's too, is to me, it's just fearless. It's fearless art. Well, I think it's something, and I always say, I can only speak for this country, how we're brought up, how we're educated, how we're taught about art. You know, you talked about it coming naturally to you. Anyone who is born and seeks to communicate can make art because it is expression and the artwork is just a visually pleasing way to do it. You know, it's about aesthetics and, um, you know, we don't all come out of the box just making stuff. In fact, I don't, you know, no one does, maybe at a young age, but something fueled that. Um, there um, had to be something, but you only get better the more you do it. And that's why I don't sleep. Because <laughs> I, I want to get better and better each day. And, um, I think you froze on me. We get technical glitches when we <laughs> skip time zones. But, uh, so as far as like your experience through this virtual show journey, what, yep. what, if, what is your biggest takeaway from it? Like Oof. what? Um, my biggest takeaway, <clears throat> my biggest takeaway, um, wow. Uh, I probably should have prepared for a question like this one. No. Um, my, <laughs> well, my, I, mean, I, yeah. I know what I want to say, frankly, but, and there, there's, there's, there's a little bit of stuff that I, I can't say, frankly, but um, I guess my biggest takeaway is just simply the fact that it's so egregious how little attention has been paid to the, the, the players and the, the people behind the Negro leagues. Um, that's the easy part to understand. Um, what, what that has, has kind of created is the more difficult part to understand. And so basically the, the, the key takeaway that, I, that I've really walked away from the, the first round was that the only way that this could possibly continue on, the only way that we could keep having this great feeling that we're all enjoying is if we actually uh, reach out and not just involve, but to build this thing around the families of the ballplayers from the Negro Leagues. Um, The only way that this could, you know, certainly this this first campaign raised red flags um, to a lot of people. Um, And and one of those flags was, was really simply you know, from, from some of the families, Hey, all of this art's being produced in the image of our family member. Where's, you know, and, and Hey, we actually even have a foundation of our own and we're trying to do some great things for kids in our community. You know, how come some of that money can't be flowing to us? Fair question, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was actually that was, a, a phone call. I wanted to, uh, 
make to you? Because I make, for me personally, I make originals. I don't make prints. I don't like hawking the prints myself. But the idea of Josh Gibson taking the portraits I do and having reproduction rights and that goes to him and that foundation, that'd be awesome. Right. Um, yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned him. <laughs> um, yeah. The, 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 without a doubt, the best thing um, that, that really is wrapped up in my takeaway, the best thing that happened from the first campaign was being introduced to, well, to, to Sean Gibson, um, Josh Gibson's great-grandson and the executive director of the Gibson Foundation, um, and then subsequently the family of Buck Leonard. And um, we're, we're, we have done now quite a bit. We've actually done more work for those two families since the first campaign um, than we have for anything else. Um, personally, I've invested a lot of time with the Buck Leonard Association, helping them um, rethink their branding. Um, we actually are creating a new logo for them uh, from the community. We, we crowdsourced a logo from our community. We just reached out to everybody and said, hey, Buck Leonard Association needs a new logo. Who wants to, to help create? And so we had, I think, six or seven artists um, submit logo designs for them to consider. And <laughs> this, was, this, this was bad marketing on my part. Um, after we started that process of, of logo design, I realized that, geez, they need a website. And really, you know, they need, a, 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 you know, other help with, with the rest of their branding and messaging and all that kind of stuff. And so we kind of put the cart before the horse by, by creating a logo for them before we really considered all the other branding stuff, which again, that's just, you know, that's just a you know, rookie mistake, um, bad marketing. Um, but we all have uh, our moments. Yeah, we were, we were very excited to help them out. Um, and so really the, the key takeaway, going back to the fact that it's, it's the families that, you know, the, the players themselves suffered an injustice and that injustice carried through to their families. Um, you know, the, 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 the families of, of, you know, ex white ball players are generally doing better than the families of ex-Negro leaguers. Um, and so, so the, the other thing that, that we really kind of discovered is that the, the association between the families of ex-Negro ex leaguers is not as tight as I would have maybe thought. Um, so together with these families now, um, we are looking to build upon what we've already started. We're looking to build out a fully functioning e-commerce marketplace um, and, and do more real, real marketing work um, for the families that want it. Um, so this is fun. We really feel like we've just scratched the surface and, well, and truly stumbled into something that, you know, I pinch myself every day. I'm like, did I just get off the phone with Josh Gibson's great grandson and then have a zoom call scheduled with Buck Leonard's you know, daughter? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that was my day today. Well, there, uh, there's a question. Did you have any inkling when you came up with this idea and you sent out emails that that effect would happen? 
No. <laughs> no. no. Um, yeah, because I, I keep seeing, um, you know, we're all tapped into the emails, and I keep seeing that. And I haven't had a chance to be as active lately because um, I'm juggling. I'm juggling a lot always. But but I, I am watching, and I'm constantly amazed. Like, I saw the Buck Leonard thing. I saw the, the Josh Gibson, and um, that yeah. makes me so happy because – the truth is, you know, right now we have a hundred artists producing things for this show and it's 100 voices that weren't speaking as saliently about this important part of our American history and heritage. And, um, and I, I can, I can tell like you're, you're navigating through, through something rough, but the, the good thing I would say is that that dialogue is even there. Yeah. A year ago, two years ago, this wouldn't maybe not have even been a concern to those foundations, but yeah, you know, suddenly, yeah, yeah there's the, the thing that, that we, we, I think we, we illustrated is how easy it is to activate people on your behalf. Um, this is the way I put it. So when we, when we think about like the, <laughs> this is where it gets exciting, frankly, is thinking about the longer term and, and longer term, meaning, you know, maybe as soon as the next six months, it really depends on funding and, and cooperation. But, um, but if we're able to successfully build out a fully functioning e-commerce marketplace, where artists can come in and apply to be part of this community that supports the Negro Leagues and the Negro League stakeholders, meaning the families, institutions, and foundations of the Negro Leagues. You come in as an artist, you apply to become part of this, this community, and now every time that you want to create a new image of Buck Leonard, you actually get that, that family's endorsement, including a little certificate of authenticity that could be included with your piece. So now let's imagine we've got 200, 300 artists and, you know, 25 different Negro Leagues families involved in this community. What we know, back up a step, what we know as artists is that we know about rights, we know about licensing, we know about these things, and generally in our head, we just think it's going to be too expensive for us to even pick up the phone and call and ask. Right. So we don't, we don't ask the Gibson foundation. We don't ask the Satchel Paige family. Um, we certainly don't want to ask the Jackie Robinson foundation uh, because we know, we just know that what we're going to be told is that it's going to be three to $5,000 or more a year plus, you know, 10% royalties plus whatever else. And there's a big lengthy contract and all of that stuff. And it's daunting. And frankly, uh, a, a non-starter for a lot of artists. And so what happens, right? What happens is artists make their prints, put them in their trunk of their car and go sell them at the weekend markets. So there's an entire marketplace, illegal marketplace of, or illicit marketplace of, of non-licensed, unlicensed art. So what we're really talking about doing here is, is, changing the way that, that, that the, the players, families, and foundations um, interact 
with that community, right? So, so the, the, in, in the past, the, the, the players' families, if they want to make market off of the artist, they go sue them, <laughs> right? Well, now, if we come together and work together, instead of, of, of you know, spending your money trying to track down and sue people for the you know, 200 prints that they sold this year, now you actually get to partner with them. As, as that family, right? So now, you know, we're, what we're talking about doing is these, you know, certificates of authenticity, say for the Josh Gibson Foundation. So you paint pictures of Josh, you want to sell prints. Well, now we can get you endorsed and um, create a, a, an ethical marketplace for the buying and selling of Negro Leagues art. So that's the, that's the vision now that we did not have at all when this thing started. But frankly, it was, it was through that very first conversation with Sean Gibson that, that really that opened my eyes in a second um, that, wow, that we, we actually have to do this differently. Um, you know, the, there's the Negro Leagues Museum, baseball museum, um, does not support All right, we're having technical difficulties. Financially, these are foundations, right? Yeah, I, you kind of hang up on me too, but okay, um, yeah. so 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 there's no there's no relationship um, other than just knowing who each other is between the museum and the families, and so money that goes to the museum is is going to stay with the museum, and so it's just important for us to 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 know that that everybody's got their own interests and got their own um, mission and are doing amazing things in their communities. And so that's, that's where the real opportunity comes to, to, uh, into play for each of us, right? It's for, for me individually, for you individually, and for everyone else individually to know that, that the work that they're doing is supporting these organizations. And what those organizations are doing is actually supporting hundreds of kids every single year. So this work, this little bit, the single work that I'm doing and that you're doing that everybody else is doing is actually having an effect on thousands and thousands of kids every year, if we keep this thing moving. So that's the thing that gets me excited. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I think that answers, I was saying, what's in the future, but it looks like what's in the future is in dialogue. Yeah. That's, that's awesome to hear. Because, um, because I, I want to see it go on. I, I don't, <laughs> especially the, the idea of just fan art. Um, my, what, I guess it was the last, second to last interview was a guy who does wrestling art. Yeah. And I asked him why, Sam Evans, what, why do you do it? What makes you keep going? And because um, he lives in Australia where wrestling's not really known, but he watched it and he's so prolific at it. And it, like, you just see the intensity, the adoration in his work. And, um, you know, he didn't really, truly have an answer. I'm like, it, you know, I think it's just the love of these things. This show especially, I had already been, you know, working in this genre. But this just amplified it. And to see everybody else's work and yeah. to think that, that just mere excitement as fans, as spectators, can do something bolder 
you know, it's cool because I think when people think about doing good deeds, it's like um, carrying um, babies out of a fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like just this extreme um, right. acts of hero heroism, heroism. and um, but really sometimes it can just be the simple love that you have in your heart for something else. So, yeah, um, and that, that's, that's a really hard thing to remember too, frankly, you know, especially like uh, I can tell you, man, this pandemic, like I, d- despite the fact that we've, you know, I've created this great community and I get this opportunity now to talk to people, this pandemic is a struggle for me. This has been a hard, hard year. I'm a really social person. And, um, and so it's, it's been difficult and, and it's really easy to lose track of the fact that, you know, that your work is having an effect, especially, you know, when you're just sitting, you know, here at the desk all day, every day, you know, with very little other contact, it's, it's, it's easy to lose track of the fact that this work is, is helping people. You, um, you should start a podcast because <laughs> I, I have, I have felt the same way, but, um, this is my way of being connected. You know, for me, I'm in pretty strict quarantine with my kids. So, yeah, um, yeah I have definitely not left the block much. <laughs> yeah, it, but that's how it's that, been for us too. We've yeah. been we've been really tight, and uh, I, I I I I am most effective when I'm out working. Ever since I've started being an entrepreneur five years ago, six years ago. I, I am most effective when I'm at a coffee shop working. I yeah. don't, I don't necessarily need to be talking to people, but I just, I get that energy. I just feel the buzz and it, and it, for whatever reason, it just keeps me focused and, and I can't do that at home by myself. Um, but uh, I, I, the, the, <laughs> the absolute high point of my year um, was, you know, that period uh, from, you know, September to October when we were running that first campaign and then after that, and there was so much effort. I mean, it was, you know, 6am to 2am days. Um, and immediately after that, I, I was dead to the world. I couldn't lift a finger uh, for at least a week, all that energy gone. And then trying to remuster it, um, it took some more time. But but ultimately, it is the you getting getting the getting more people uh, involved, surrounding yourself with more good energy. Um, certainly helps me put more good energy out. Yeah. Well, you so much good has come out of this, but you've especially are actively still empowering artists. You know, because most of us. I think our first conversation, I, I talked about how we're, you and I are kind of opposites as far as the arts. You know, to me, it was just making, making, making. I didn't care if I was broke. I didn't care about this. As long as I was making, I did that just coming out of the box. Right. I've slowed down now because I have three kids <laughs> and thought about the flip side of it. And it, it's inter- it's like ships passing in the night or something as I'm watching <laughs> you yeah. look at the art side of it coming from corporate marketing and that type of thing. But it, it 
we all somehow land on our feet, I think. It's the expectation. We might all tumble and <laughs> fall throughout, I know, but but um, it's it's cool. Life's journey is it's a neat thing. So, yeah, yeah, no doubt, and it's it's definitely made better when uh, when when there's more of us, you know, headed in the the same direction, um, which which feels cool about this campaign. Well, I mean, it's it's a thing. It's a universal thing. We all, in the end, want something good for everyone. That's, I, I don't, um, people can have different opinions, obviously, <laughs> different viewpoints. But in the end, it's just about being good people. How we get there is the tricky part, but. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. But that, yeah, that's, um, that's it's not excluded sure. in the art world. It, um, at least um, that's the way I view it. I guess it, when I started, it was all about just perfecting what this voice I had. and um, But then it's like, okay, I can do this now. What do I do with it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I have this skill. Right. Um, what's, what's it good for, really? Aside from, you know, making the art. Yeah. That well, you know, that that's a really great that's a really great thing to ponder. And and if there's more people who are pondering that same thing, then then I can see how this campaign would be uh, you know, a a a a point of motivation and activation for people, right? It's like, hey, here's something that I get to apply my art to. The the major thing and the reason I make videos and see my face a lot it's certainly not that i want to see myself that horrifies me but i i have noticed that when you you do that um you're getting listened to more and i feel like we all have important things to say so yeah you know that's it's actually one of the lessons that i've learned from people in the community um, <laughs> I'm, I'm the, the classic example of a, of a guy who's, you know, spent over 20 years in marketing, but, but for whatever reason just seems to completely fail when I market myself. Um, and, and, uh, um, and so one of the things that I've learned from, from everybody and, and yourself, honestly included, man, is, is just to be relentless, um, in the way that you, you put content out there and, I mean, I, I see content from you every day and, and I think that that's what it takes. Um, you know, it takes putting out good, uh, consumable content often. And, and I've seen more people successfully doing that in this community than I've ever seen before. Um, or surrounded myself, I guess, with more people, not to say that, you know, you know, millions of people aren't doing a great job at this, but for whatever reason, I've just never been surrounded by them. And, and so what? now I've, I've started doing some little videos for my stuff too. And yes, and, I saw and those. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing uh, the results from that already. Well, so, it goes back to that thing you were talking about changing the mold of, uh, 
corporations and how they think. And a lot of it is, um, you know, make just being more real, even at the corporate level. Because, yeah, you add dimension, like curveball keepsakes. Even though we're not seeing you, you're adding that human touch to it. And it's right. like, oh, man, this dude's human. And <laughs> <laughs> I can see some hands. He's not, he's not just pictures, you know? And um, people respond to that more favorably than you would think. I, a long time ago, I went to... Um, one of those free lunch things. Where, uh, <laughs> they're they're going to teach you how there was no such thing. And um, he, uh, the guy's like, don't ever put your face on a business card because somebody might not like the way you look. And that—that uh, that was his advice. And this was, you know, the dude that was, you know, buying me lunch and then wanted me to sign up for a course. That—that <laughs> that stuck with me because I, my thought was, when I was younger was um, if that's somebody's reaction, if they're like, man, I don't like his face. I don't want to work with them. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to put my face on things. If they don't want to work with me, it's okay. You don't have to like my face. Um, but if we're going to work together, you should at least tolerate it. And um, this is what <laughs> I look like. <laughs> you know, at the very minimum, you know, you should be like, neutral about it um <laughs> you know, i don't need compliments i just need i just need to work you know right <laughs> <laughs> yep that was that was strange there i wish was i'd the, remember who that guy was <laughs> there there was a um through the the waffles for wheels campaign the meals on wheels um program that i ran over in spokane i met uh a small restaurant owner, owner of a little coffee shop, actually growing coffee shop. This guy was uh, a felon, uh, incarcerated, described himself as a, just a complete lowdown scoundrel uh, as a young man. That's how he describes himself. I loved it. Anytime you can describe <laughs> yourself as a scoundrel, I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm a villain. But, yeah. But he, um, you know, he was the kind of guy he got, got hooked into some bad drugs and would, you know, steal money from his mom and that kind of thing and wound up in jail. And, and he got out of jail, got interested in coffee somehow. I can't remember exactly how, but this guy got himself uh, an espresso machine, set it up on his front porch and started making lattes. And, and early on, in his journey, you can, you can truly, this is a guy who you can go back and look at his very first Facebook, uh, Instagram post. And you just look at his progression of his story. And early on, um, his story of the, the story of his business was wrapped up in him. And he was very much a prominent part of his branding early on. But as his business developed, he was able to pull himself back out of that and make it more about, you know, the business itself and his employees and, and, and really make the business about the people that work for him. Um, and I thought that sounded, that sounded right to me. That sound, that sounded to me like there's light at the end of the tunnel. I don't have to put my face in front of the camera all the time, uh, to, to grow my business, but, but, but in the art community, you are the business. 
right? Well, and there's different methodologies. I think the hard thing for artists is because we are so visual, we are about aesthetic. There's that idea of perfection. And um, for me, I just had to rethink that, especially coming out of photography. Um, to me, the joy of painting became that it appeared that I was drunk all the time. <laughs> and you know, I'm not above like drinking, but I'm not. I, I just, I'm having fun and that's messy and imperfect. And within that imperfection, it doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing. It just means this is your lean and you have to find your lean, but you also, in terms of putting yourself out there, it does in this world, in this modern age where, especially this pandemic probably gave rise to many more artists. I would say this yeah. will be a renaissance period for the volume. You better put something out there. You better put your voice out there somehow. It doesn't have to be your mug, but um, in some way, you should be thinking about being salient. If broadening your message is what you're about. Yeah. And that that's another thing, you know, art is different things to different people. So that's, that's a really good point. That's a really great point, right? There's, there's so many people. And frankly, that's the, the most disappointing thing about this year has been seeing all the people who are, you know, unwilling to make a statement when statements need to be made, you know, who are unwilling to, to, to get off the fence um, or who are unwilling to, to just let their opinion be heard about, you know, difficult subjects. And, and that's, it's disappointing to see. So I, I wonder, you know, how much, how much art empowers people to actually use their voice, um, not just yes. their, you know, their medium. What you're saying really hits home because um, after George Floyd, now my, my artwork, it's about, you know, I have the pop art side and then I have my side, but there's never really anything political in there. It's just not what I do. But I, I started off, I, I made a, a portrait of George Floyd and I felt for the first time in my career apprehension just because of the way I was watching other people act the the idea for the first time in my head came to me that am I going to have a target on my head I have kids and, uh, and it was sad to me that um, I even had those thoughts yeah. and so I made a few pieces in this vein because they were in me and I I wanted to get them out and, and I just put them out there and nothing happened. Nobody came to lynch me or, um, but that was the vision I had in my head. And I think, uh, you know, when you talk about people not speaking up, I get it. Yeah. Because you, you have, you have to protect yourself too sometimes. Um, when, but it, it, it shouldn't be that scary for anybody, especially making art. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But um, 
That's a deep, deep subject right there. Um, there's a <laughs> there's a there's a book a book that I I haven't actually read, um, but my my wife read it and has like schooled me on it. Um, but the book is called White Fragility, and um, in the book, the the topic that 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 uh, fascinated me the most was the topic of white solidarity. And it was that fear of stepping out, the fear of speaking up against something that, that didn't necessarily, um, you know, the, that wasn't yours, I guess, you know, wasn't your, you know, I don't know. That's a bad way to put it because, you know, well, it's, 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 it's not necessarily directly right. Your struggle. I yeah. had this, this in high school um, where um, I would experience racism and I'd watch others that were watching this happen to me and others say nothing. As a teenage boy, um, that caused some anger issues. It wasn't until I got out into the world and could be more, first of all, be outside of the high school environment, an all boys <laughs> school. Where <laughs> yeah. a lot of us on um, scholarships and financial aids were, were, you know, from different neighborhoods. Um, it wasn't until I got out of that weird little experiment <laughs> that I started to kind of get it, you know, because it's exactly what I was feeling when I wanted to make the George Floyd piece. The thing to me, I thought about it in larger terms. I'm like, well, you might lose some clients. I'm like, I don't want those clients. Mm. I don't want them. Um, yeah. And then I thought, probably no one's going to do anything violent towards you. <laughs> probably. <Yeah. laughs> More than likely not. Um, so, well, you know, yeah. Go ahead. But, no, no, it, it, it just, um, yeah, what you're saying about it's not necessarily your fight, but it is. It is your fight. And it's okay. That's, it's okay to speak up because, yeah. hey, that's your friend. Right. You know, these, yeah, the, the pieces I made were about my friends, you know, because I'm, I'm not black, but I very much care about the three dudes that I made portraits of and... And it was a statement, and I didn't care that it was loud. Yeah, um, because they're they're important to me, and their lives are important to me. Yeah, so, and yeah. you know, it's not directly my fight, but it is. It is. That's that's <laughs> the thing that that everybody just has to understand, right? Is that that it is every every fight against injustice and inequality is is everyone's fight. You know, because because yeah. nothing is nothing will ever be good for all. You know, nothing will ever be good. Um, we won't make. Well, it's progress. not even a. It's not even a political thing. It's not you know, a political at all. Because I had this discussion with the the nonprofit that I work with about you know somebody wanted to do a show on this racial injustice theme, and I'm like, and we don't do political shows. Um, but I was like, that's not a political issue. That's a human rights thing. And yep. hell yeah, we'll run that show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, there's, yeah, human rights should not be politicized. 
um, at all. Uh, it's it, but, but yeah, that, that, that goes back to you know this thing that uh, we're all a part of. That's what I love about this yeah. this show. I want to see it do more, and um, I definitely want to bring you back here and talk about the progress. So I hope hope you'll consider that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's gonna be, uh, you know, we're gonna wrap up. We're gonna wrap up the the holiday campaign at the end of the year, and we're gonna immediately start pushing hard on Josh Gibson for MVP. Um, we want to see Josh Gibson be named the um, uh, the 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 Major League Baseball MVP awards named after Josh Gibson. Um, Major League Baseball took the big step. Just actually, it wasn't Major League Baseball; it's the Baseball Writers Association of America, who actually votes on those trophies who voted to remove the name of Kennesaw Mountain Landis. And so for anyone who doesn't know who that guy is, he was the commissioner of baseball during uh, the, the segregation period of Major League Baseball. And, and uh, despite, you know, his official statements, you know, by all accounts, was largely responsible for keeping baseball segregated. His name has been on the MVP trophies, I think, since 19... 40 something I can't remember exactly what the date is but uh, a long time this man's name's been on those major league baseball MVP trophies so there's uh, three names being considered apparently to put on that trophy one is Branch Rickey um, one is Frank Robinson and the other is Josh Gibson and so it's been a lot of fun to engage with the Gibson Foundation on this project and to to see our artists um, be inspired by by that new mission um, so what we know is that the first part of the year is going to be a lot of Josh Gibson. Um, and then as we you know, move uh, further into the year, um, we really don't know what to expect. Um, we know that 2022 is going to be the 50th year anniversary of Josh Gibson and Buck Leonard's induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame. So there'll be a Thunder Twins campaign. Um, but uh, I'm really excited to see how this develops and, and, um, and all of the, the new faces that are going to come on board to help make it happen. For the, those of you listening that are listening to all these names and you're spacey, I Google them because they're um, Get this. enshrined. This is, this is a book. Um, it's kind of a, like a mock-up first edition Pub, you know, self-published book by um, Brian Callahan. Um, look him up on, at, on Instagram at Hokey Cal Art. Hokey Cal, H-O-K-I-E-C-A-L. Okay. Anyway, he this book is full of his illustrations with just little snippets of information about each of the players. And this is just fantastic. I actually just bought one of these to send to some um the kids of a friend of mine. That's um, great. But this is a really, really cool piece that was created by someone in the community. And um, I, 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 I look forward to the day when, when we are creating art together and, and, you know, where a book like this, yeah. your yeah. proceeds will go <laughs> out and benefit every one of these players' families. I that's, would love to that's meet. what we want. I would love to meet a lot of the gang in person because um, right. 
the other thing this thing has done is just create tremendous kinship between us. So yeah, I, I've been um, trading work. It's great. <laughs> and it feels like I'm a kid again, trading baseball cards. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so thank, just thank you so much for, for having that idea and, um, and including us and, um, and it, you well, know, if you, I'm sure you've been think, but we are all very conscious of this energy we've been brought into. So, well, I, I want to, every opportunity, like I, I get a thanks. I mean, this, you know, this, if, if everybody would have said no, um, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. And so, you know, 102 people said yes. And, and, uh, and so that's why we're here. We're not here because of me. We're here because of all those 102 people. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to plug the website again, nlbmart.com and check out Tad's work at Curveball Keepsakes on Instagram and you float around other places. So, yeah, I've got a couple of different handles <laughs> out there in the social media world. You'll uh, see me on uh, Soto Mofo as well. What is that name? Soto Mofo. <laughs> I'm glad you asked actually. Um, so uh, if you're, if you're from the, the Seattle area, you'll in a Mariners fan, you'll probably know what it means, but years ago, um, I think it was I think it was the slogan that the Mariners moved to after the like 95 96 teams but they created a slogan called uh, Soto Mojo. Um so the Safeco Field is in uh, Soto South Downtown area of Seattle. So their slogan was Soto Mojo and uh so years ago um <laughs> this is a long time ago. I I had a I, I was playing fantasy baseball and that was my fantasy baseball team name. And I really liked it. I thought it was great. And I'm like, I'm going to use that someday. <laughs> there you go. Well, here we are. <laughs> Soto Mofo. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, sir. I, um, like I said, hopefully you'll be back. I'm looking forward to it. Keep on. Thanks, Sergio. You too. We're out. All right. Be Bob.